So I have with me Doris from Bristol University. She's the International Market Development Manager for India and Africa. Doris is an experienced professional in the international higher education sector. She's worked in leading universities in several countries, both in teaching as well as student counseling and recruitment. She has a wealth of knowledge in terms of when you're reaching out for applications to the UK. And we have with us Parneet Shergil from Ashoka University, who's the assistant director of the outreach team. She's got 20 years of experience under her belt in teaching and counseling again. She's looked after schools in South and Central West and now takes care of the Delhi NCR region. Uh, I also have with me Kadri Bharadwaj, who has two decades of work experience in the education sector. And at the University of Sydney, Kadri is responsible for implementing the undergraduate student recruitment strategy for India. And she is also prior to that led senior roles with OnView Learning UK, Huge's Global Education, Pearson UK, Manipal, and Tata Consultancy Services. So between them, we have 60 years of counseling experience, I think, <laughs> which is fantastic. And uh, to give my own introduction, I'm Anjali Ragbir. I run Writers Key. We put together College Brew 1.0. It's a program to make your college applications easy. Um, so I'm going to invite on stage uh, first. Let let me ask Kajri to introduce the University of Sydney and tell us a little bit about the program, and then follow it with Parneet and then Doris. Thank you, Anjali. Uh, absolutely a pleasure to be here. Um, University of Sydney, uh, you know, is very easy to talk about. Sydney is uh, we are the oldest, uh, and you know, there's so much to talk about the university. It was set up in 1850, the first university, uh, and you know we have a huge legacy, if you like, uh, and Australian universities, unlike the ones in UK, are in two, three hundred years old. But uh, University of Sydney looks like Oxford and Cambridge because uh, that the model that was used when it was set up. We have a world ranking of number 40. We are a public university, so research oriented, 400 areas of study. Uh, entry is purely by merit, and we have over 300 international scholarships and awards for students. So all good news for international students. Uh, also, you know, specifically for Indian students, we have now introduced an award, uh, as well as we have a scholarship which has been running on for a few years, where $500,000 worth of scholarships are given to high-achieving Indian students. So that's that's it for my end. Parneet, you want to go next? Hi, Anjali. Thank you so much. Uh, so just wanted to clarify this is the point we can share a little bit of our uh, presentation. Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So just while you give me a minute to share my presentation, I just have a, a short PPT on Ashoka University. So... Uh, yeah, so we are a liberal arts and science university in India and uh, located outside Delhi in the Rajiv Gandhi Education City. And um, we've been, uh, we've, we've had four batches of students who already passed out and uh, we've been, uh, you know, one of the most highly subscribed universities in the liberal arts and science, in fact, uh, you know, among the pioneers of liberal arts and science in India. And uh, I just quickly run through the undergraduate program. Uh, we've got a three-year program. It is, uh, Anjali, you can see my slide? Yes, I can. 
I can. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we've got a three-year, uh, three plus one, I would say, uh, program. So in the first three years, you do a set of foundation courses, a set of major minor courses, a set of co-curricular courses. Uh, at the end of six semesters, you earn your BA or your BSc honors degree. Uh, we have an optional fourth year because in India you have to have uh, awarded, uh, being a UGC accredited university, we have to award your degree after three years. So which is why. Uh, we have the fourth year is an optional year where you get a postgraduate diploma in advanced studies and research. There are multiple options wherein you can convert your minor subject to a major and graduate with a double major and uh, do a thesis in the fourth year. So um, the subjects are the, in the first semester you start with the foundation courses. So the foundation courses really are the core uh, are at the core of the education or the uh, teaching pedagogy or the uh, degree at Ashoka. So the foundation courses, which are these nine courses, you have four courses that you have to do in the first semester. And in the second semester, you start picking and choosing subjects. There's a whole range of subjects that we offer. So what you see on your screen are the whole range of subjects that we offer from the pure majors, the interdisciplinary majors, the minors and the co-curriculars. Uh, students can mix and match, make their own combination. The end of uh, the third semester, which is after one and a half year, you declare your major to the university and uh, you actually uh, follow up with building on that major subject. So, uh, of course, we've got some great faculty at Ashoka, all PhDs from across the world. We have 135 full-time, 46 visiting faculty members. And uh, the fourth year of the, at the Ashoka University, which is called the Ashoka Scholars Program, uh, which is an advanced major like I said before, you get to convert your minor to a major, get to research and to work as a teaching assistant or pursue a completely new major. We run some fantastic uh, summer programs for students. So there's the what we call the Young Scholars Program, which is a pre-college program for high school students, uh, which is, uh, in fact, applications for the Young uh, Scholars Program or the YSP, as we call it, are open. And uh, students can do this program. Of course, unfortunately, we are doing it online now, but usually it's a great uh, experience, uh, on-campus experience for students, for high school students. Now, um, yeah, so we do have a, a very interesting holistic admission process, which is beyond cutoffs. Of course, we can discuss that in detail, but uh, I think I will uh, hand over to you again. Anjali, I'll hand over to you and um, we can talk about the admission process later. Right, right. So, Joris, may I invite you on Yes. <clears throat> Can you all hear me okay? Yes. Okay. Um, well, I'm really delighted to be here. It's great. Um, Anjali, when you mentioned the combined sort of experience, it was a little bit of a waste, you know, all those years of experience. But uh, but that's a good thing, of course. So, the University of so um, just briefly, it is one of the uh, top universities in the UK, member of the Russell Group Universities, only 24 universities in the UK are in that category, which means we are um, very much focused on research and the quality of our research is worldwide accepted. So um, I can show you just, um, if I may share my screen, um, let us see whether I can manage that. Um, there we go. Let's see whether you can see our screen 
then um, hopefully that'll come through. We uh, are in the southwest of the UK, which is a beautiful part of um, of England, about an hour and a half away from London. And with our six um, faculties, we literally uh, sort of have everything that a student might want to study with us. Um, we were also the first university in uh, the UK to admit men and women on equal footing. So that's very important to us. Um, you know, and the ethos of the university is uh, strong on academics, strong on research, and strong on uh, Sorry, and quality. Sorry? The screen, is, uh, the screen is flickering. Okay, okay. I've just stopped sharing. Is this better? Yes, this is. Yeah, so sorry about that. So this thing was literally just picking out the top um, elements of our um, uh, accolades. So we are top ten um, in the in the QS ranking as UK university. So worldwide accepted as one of the best universities in the world. Strengths are of course um, science, engineering, medicine, law, all this kind of usual things. Um, and um, I think I'll leave it at that because we have a booth. So please, if there's anybody listening wanting to find out more, you can see me or my colleague Debesh at our booth as well. Thank you. So thank you, three of you. Um, we all know that they're premier institutions. But I think my question would be, what is the one thing that each of you look for in a student? What What is it that makes that perfect Ashoka University student or a Bristol student or a University of Sydney student? So, Paneet, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, so, Anjali, it would be unfair for me to try and say that one thing because I think um, considering that we try and do a very holistic application, uh, I mean, a holistic admission process, uh, saying this one thing would be difficult, but I'll just quickly uh, give a few pointers. I think they're looking for students who are curious, who are deeply engaged in whatever they do, who are passionate about whatever they do, and, uh, you know, who have a very strong overall profile. So it's not only academics, it's it's a good combination of everything put together. Right. Great, great. What about you, uh, Kajri? In University of Sydney, what are you looking for? Is it grades that make up an important thing or is it the sort of, you know, holistic application? Uh, so grades play a very important role at Sydney because uh, our application processes are mostly dependent on academic merit. Uh, barring mm -hmm. a few programs where we look at extra, uh, you know, beyond the curriculum, if you like, for instance, in music or architecture or visual arts, Everything else is wholly and solely dependent on academic merit. But then uh, we do put a lot of stress on the entire profile of the individual. Uh, you know, so for instance, if there are awards or scholarships to be attained, we look at the overall profile, the academic merit, uh, the motivation of the individual to do a particular program, and also what is it that they expect at the end of the you know course. All of these actually depend and decide. Uh, how an individual is taken into a Right, right. And Doris, what about UK? What about UK? Uh, Bristol, how, does, how do you discern from if there are two students who have pretty similar marks, how would you, you know, decide between them? 
So one thing that's very peculiar, perhaps to the to the UK, in fact, um, is that uh, often our courses require very specific subject combinations. So a student needs to watch out for that. Um, so you know, you could be having great marks, but if they're not exactly in the subjects that we we asked you for, then that would not work for us um, because our degrees, as you know, are very concentrated and shorter than many other countries. Uh, but in general, we would look at the personal statement with each application which comes through the UCAS system, we get a personal statement from the student and we get a reference from the school. So we will look at those things as well. In general, what we, I'm sure all my colleagues here as well, see we get really high achieving students. Indian students are, you know, right at the top when it comes to um, presenting with their academics. Um, so sometimes it is quite difficult. But each of our courses will very clearly explain in their admission statement that is published, published on the website, what is it they want. So if it is medicine, they want, of course, certain other tests, and they might in the statement look for certain engagements. If it is politics, they want you to be um, an active person. If it is um, data science, you know, there's not much you can say apart from having the very, very, very top scores in, in, in mathematics or computing, for example. So, um, statements are very important and we make it very clear how important they are to us in the admission right. statement. Right. Thank you. Thank you for answering that. Um, I'm just going to uh, touch on what kind of programs are very popular with Indian students for Bristol. Um, and maybe we can take that around because, you know, every uh, university has a specialty. So could you tell us a little bit about what Bristol's programs, what are they really popular for, and especially given the Indian students' uh, demands? So Indian students come, they, they literally flock to Bristol for things, a, a, anything in the engineering faculty, to be honest, uh, but primarily now uh, anything to do with computer science, with aerospace. We're very famous for aerospace because even the city of Bristol itself is, in fact, in the aerospace center of the UK. So this is, you know, where, where that industry lives, this city uh, mm -hmm. and this university. Um, but anything to do with data science has come up, fintech, you know, financial technology, business, of course, always, um, management always hugely popular. But I'm really encouraged also to see that students are branching out a bit, and so we're seeing more applications, say, for English literature or for film and television. So slight branching out. I would say that's what we call the maturing of a market away from the you know, medicine, dentistry, um, very specific professional, um, or law, for example, as well, very specific professional courses. Students are now also uh, looking further and thinking, you know, uh, what else could I do? A little blip I've noticed this year from, uh, I was really delighted because we have a fantastic veterinary school. We get a lot more uh, veterinary uh, applications now from India. This is not something we've seen before. And I think it's probably to do that with our vet degree, you are qualified to practice anywhere in the world. Give a bonus there. Right. Fantastic. What about you, Kadri? What do you find in the students applying for? Uh, not very different from what Doris was mentioning. Uh, there is a, a huge update for engineering, uh, and our engineering faculty also encompasses IT. 
So aerospace engineering, mechatronics, computers, and so on. Okay. So, yeah. So I was saying that besides engineering and IT, which is uh, common, I think, from the subcontinent, uh, we see a lot of uh, interest of late for architecture, uh, that architecture and design especially. You know, that is seeing a lot of traction with Indian students. Uh, liberal arts and sciences uh, are also seeing, um, you know, interest, uh, especially politics and international relations. Uh, for some reason, students are interested a lot in that program. Uh, besides, of course, medicine and dentistry, which is uh, hugely popular but very difficult to get. Yeah, I was just saying that that's definitely a trend that one notices that, you know, people want to go for STEM courses because I think they feel that it's worth the investment uh, to study. Um, so, Parneet, shed some light on what Ashoka, what, what students opt for here. Yeah. So, um, we are a purely liberal arts and science university. So, it's, it's very simple. Uh, any student coming to Ashoka enrolls for the undergraduate program without having to specify, like I said earlier, without having to specify the subject that you want to major in. Uh, you enroll for the program, you uh, pick and choose subjects, and you decide your major and declare it to the university. And like I said, you have 12 majors. So uh, it's very interesting because sometimes students have this, um, there is this trend of everyone wanting to study, say, economics or, uh, you know, certain schools have this trend of students wanting to study, say, computer science or, maybe history, and they've not even explored the other subjects that we have to offer because, unfortunately, many of the Indian schools uh, put you in boxes right after class 10. So you are in these silos. You haven't explored anything else. Uh, you know very little, and you just want to continue doing that until you come to this place where you can pick and choose whatever subject you think, uh, you know, you have an inclination for. And I think uh, the basic uh, exposure that you get in the foundation courses really gives you an understanding as to uh, what you should be really picking up as your major. And uh, I just want to share this little uh, experience that I've had with students, uh, Anjali, where I've right. multiple students and all of them have said the same thing, that one class at the foundation courses and they know that that's the subject that they want to graduate in. So I think, um, you know, we have a very strong belief and I think that really comes out from talking to the students uh, that the foundation courses at Ashoka really are the uh, at the core of the whole, uh, you know, education because they really give you the understanding as to what subject uh, you are inclined to study and, you know, what is the subject that you should be studying in, at the undergraduate level. So um, I think... Uh, you know, that, that's pretty much what, uh, you know, the whole system at Ashoka is all about. And uh, so you get exposure to multiple subjects, which is... And, and tell me, Parneet, are there study work opportunities? Like typically when you go abroad, uh, you, you know, you have certain opportunities where you can take part in study work programs, like co-op programs and things like that. So does Ashoka have tie-ups with uh, companies where they can intern, where they can get some hands-on experience? Yes, so uh, internships are an integral part of your uh, academics at Ashoka. So every summer and every uh, break that the students, the summer especially since there are three month long uh, summer break, uh, we have uh, the career development office, which 
works very very uh, you know closely with the academic uh, team and organizes these um, internships for students and internships which are really really uh, meaningful and add value to what you've been studying so uh, for example um, my team the outreach team also hires interns uh, every year so we have students we uh, throw these options at them they want to sometimes work for a month sometimes for longer so uh, they come and join the team uh, the ashoka team and they do some serious work with us similarly they work with companies across so all the companies which come later and hire them uh, for uh, you know after they graduated these companies uh, do come to ashoka and we do give the students enough of ex- exposure to being able to to being uh, you know uh, to be able to work while they study so i think um, that is where they really get to understand uh, whether they have been able to put their critical thinking skills their communication skills and uh, their analytic skills into practice so yes a lot of internships happen fantastic fantastic uh, what about uh, university of sydney kajri some study work opportunities are there absolutely uh, so you know professional programs and specialist programs have inbuilt internship uh, you know within the program so students are required to you know work uh, or do professional work as part of their program but even where uh, let's say there are no internship requirement as part of the coursework or the course per se the student visa allows students to uh, work part time or full time uh, while they are studying and that's the opportunity most international students make use of uh so mm-hmm. at sydney university you know being um, such a large university and uh, we we have our own postal code i mean you can imagine this is an entire uh, suburb which is uh, so there are businesses which come around the university so students find work in retail uh, within the university as parneet was saying so we employ our own students in various departments whether it's outreach mm-hmm. or uh, you know marketing and so on um and then uh students gain this uh this experience if you like and this is paid experience so it's good for them when they are passing out uh, these come in handy uh, i'm not going you know it is not necessarily uh, this works this way that you know students let's say uh, was someone who was studying for economics is going to work in economics while they are studying but then these experiences come in handy ultimately when they are right fantastic super So can they hope to get a job does this translate often the internships translate into jobs later professional courses yes but uh, un, the un, uh, you know the non professional or the other courses for instance uh, these are career opportunities which are created for students so there's a lot of networking opportunities we have career fairs organized by departments actually sydney has a very high world ranking uh, when it comes to graduate employability okay. we have a world ranking of number 4 right. 96% of our graduate employees uh, sorry i meant to say graduates are employed at the end of their program so how we do that is when they come into the program they are attached to a career program manager and they ensure that by the time they leave the university they have you know been gainfully employed obviously the visa requirements have to be met by the student because there are regulations in place uh, in a country uh, so if they meet the visa requirements which is the post study work visa rights uh, so uh, they can stay back and work in australia super doris looping back to you 
what is your take on uh, Bristol's study work opportunities, internships? Uh, I know law has plenty of things that you can do. Uh, could you shed some light on that? So um, within the UK, we are one of the top universities for employability. And, uh, I think two years back, our economics graduates actually earned more than any other grad, any other graduate from any university in any other subject. So you know, it, it, it's kind of a super brand. And what that means is we get lots of the all of the top employers, global employers, coming to us for our graduates. So it's a great, great, that's just in general the brand of the university. And yes, some of our courses uh, do um, have inbuilt placement. You can choose an industrial placement, for example, if you wanted to do one of the engineering courses, there are a number of them that allow that. Um, and, uh, you know, but because we are quite picky as to who we let onto those courses within an industry year. Um, you don't. You often find that you have to start year one, and then based on your year one grades and other tests that you have to go through, you are put forward for the internship. So you know, it's a bit. It, we have to maintain our uh, reputation as a good provider of good students, not just any any kind of students. You know, so so there's there's a, a kind of slightly different way of going about it. But we've recently introduced, for example, a brand new degree in data science at undergraduate level, and that has a year um, in industry option, and we have some partners there in, in uh, large companies uh, that use a lot of data science, you know, LV, for example. So these things are there. And only yesterday, um, it was interesting to see both my colleagues saying that yes, we use our own students as well within the university for work. I was trying to, I'm putting together some conversion activities and uh, I was trying to reach a student from aerospace engineering who I know is very reliable in fantastic um, you know, to introduce new students only to be told that actually he couldn't do it he's on, a, on an internship with a Formula 1 uh, racing racing team oh, nice. <laughs> with mechanical engineering uh, with um, I think it was McLaren's and I'm thinking well you know McLaren's, Doris <laughs> yeah I'm not going to so you know yes these opportunities are here and we're all in the UK trying to you know, make sure that students are getting good experiences. And, of course, now with the uh, new regulation of having a stay-back option of two years, um, you know, it's opened up for, for students from in terms of getting their experience, which will make them employable. Right. So should we thank you so much for giving me all the, the insights? Should we open it up to the floor or is there something else that you would like to share about your university before we take the questions from the audience? So um, can I just say something? I'm, yes, seeing this I'm just seeing this question, so I thought I'd just address it. I think someone wants to know what the cutoffs are uh, at Ashoka. So uh, I'm happy to share with you that we have no specific cutoffs, whether it's the IB or the CBSC or the IGCSC. So there are no specific cutoffs. We have, uh, you know, like I said, we look at the overall profile. So strong overall profile would mean, um, uh, you know, consistent academic, uh, extracurricular, co-curricular, uh, you know, a good interview. And, and we've got some essays you have to write, three essays. So essays uh, have to be like really, really absolutely nicely written. And so once you've done all this, you don't have to worry about the cutoff. So, yeah, so we, we have no cutoff at Ashoka. 
Right. And what about uh, Sydney and Bristol? Would uh, uh, Ajay, would you have uh, sort of some sort of minimum requirement for IB students? Yes, and yeah sorry i was just about to say that yes uh, i mean every course has a different requirement uh, i see a question on psychology so uh, if someone is looking at psychology the minimum score is maybe 30 about okay. 35 is uh, what is required to get into sydney also psychology can be studied in three different ways at sydney so depending on what the end objective is the score differs right um, Okay, and how about at Bristol? There would be again for different courses would be different requirements, right? So it's not so, but it's very transparent, isn't it? Everything's on your website. It's very transparent. Yeah, it, it would by law we have, all have to sort of publish it, so there's no uh, query in the students' minds about what what is it. But going back to that, also that psychology question, I think for Bristol, um, um, it would be um, it would be thirty. minimum it might even be higher because that is again i should have mentioned that indian students are extremely interested in the whole psychology um you know course suite and and quite you know it's it's an important subject so i would urge everybody to to look at the precise details you know look closely at the details we publish we will say um in terms of ib not only the overall score which is out of 45 it takes your bonus points into consideration but we will mm-hmm. also say uh, what you have to have at higher level so we often say for the most competitive courses we will say you know you you need to have 38 but you need to have 18 at higher level and then we will stipulate m- most of our courses will be very precise and say higher level um you know a science one science subject minimum or even uh, you know in the maths courses of course we stipulate a high level of maths that we want and even the grades uh, that's often the case also for engineering so it's very transparent um and it is designed to make sure that students uh, aren't wasting their application because they will apply for ucas and and that is five choices so you know we want them right. to make the best choices right absolutely Kajri, there's a question for you about uh, an insight on some sport-related courses. Is there something that you ha- have there that you can uh, share with us? Yeah. Uh, so, University of Sydney's uh, sports uh, and exercise sciences program uh, ranks number four in the world, and uh, that is the only program that we offer in the bachelor uh, segment. A lot mm-hmm. of questions come to us about sports management, but unfortunately, we do not have a program in management. But we have it in the health sciences department. Okay. And um, does Ashoka have a business course? I see that question as well. Yeah. So I want to. And I think you. I think you get asked that a lot. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. But uh, yeah, but sadly, we uh, you just can earn a BA or a BSc honors degree. But if you're really interested in uh, you know economics and uh, entrepreneurship. you have multiple options which can give you something which is very close to a business course so right. it's just about choosing the right combinations right i think we have a couple of minutes left and i just want to touch on covid how is uh, given that covid is rearing its head again um how is ashoka dealing with covid and how is university of sydney and bristol what do you see going forward so um you know anjali i have 
I've said this before to other students, but uh, I'd like to say it to this audience as well, that we've been very, very proactive uh, when it came to COVID. Uh, last year, when people were just trying to figure out or wrap their head around what's going on, in February, we already had all our COVID protocol in place. Uh, I mean, that was some something which many of us weren't even aware of, the whole COVID protocol thing. But uh, even now, uh, you know, we have some students on campus. These are the postgraduate students. And considering things are, you know, getting pretty tough again for everybody, uh, they, there's a whole vaccination drive that has happened on campus. Uh, we are taking our precautions. Uh, the academically, nobody has suffered because uh, the classes has go have gone on as per schedule. I think the uh, faculty and student interaction has become much, much stronger in the last one year. Uh, we've had so much more happening online uh, currently. Of course, I wouldn't deny the fact that there's nothing like a one-on-one -on -one interaction. Uh, sure. Having said that, uh, this is probably the best anybody can ever do, uh, what we have done at Ashoka. And, uh, and we're really proud of the fact that, uh, you know, we've managed to connect with students and students uh, very, very confidently say, that this is possibly the best uh, interaction that one can have online uh, with having absolute, uh, you know, accessibility to faculty, being able to uh, connect with them whenever required, being, uh, you know, being able to talk to them. And apart from that, a lot of uh, mental health, uh, you know, uh, issues are being addressed because we know people have been through a lot in the Absolutely. last few Humans have been through a lot. So, there are sessions happening, there are helplines, there are, uh, so everybody's been like on their toes, including us. So uh, it's been tough. I, I, it's been tough for us. It's been much tougher for students, I think. And my heart goes out to students who have, uh, you know, but, but I'm sure like the other universities here uh, are also very equipped. I think uh, we on the other side are also, you know, trying our best to make it as easy and as comfortable as possible for students. So, right. Yeah. Uh, you guys are doing an incredible job. I know that. But, uh, you know, it's important for the audience to know the, how hard it is to sort of, you know, translate all of this into action. But, Kajri, any, any, any thoughts from you on this, on how COVID is affecting, uh, you know, obviously uh, students are deferring their applications or, uh, you know, studying online and then going on later. So what is your take on it? I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it's public knowledge that Australia closed its borders last year. And, uh, you know, yeah, at the present moment also, there isn't uh, any indication of the borders opening anytime soon. Uh, we were hopeful of our next intakes. Uh, I'm talking of July or August intake, which is common across all universities to be, uh, you know, face-to-face, -face, uh, or if not face-to-face, uh, -face, at least blended. To a certain extent, but uh, now with the rising COVID situation, the number of cases in India, it is looking unlikely that students will be able to travel to Australia by in time for the semester. As a university, we started offering uh, remote classes to students since our, uh, since February, stroke March 2020. So for us, it's been an entire year, and I think we have done brilliantly. Uh, obviously, you know, there are programs where uh, students have had to take a hard fall and pause their studies because online education is 
difficult. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, engineering uh, or architecture, medicine. In fact, the university uh, has taken a few decisions about programs being put on pause, uh, especially where students are required, uh, uh, and these are professional programs, where students are required to do on-site internships or, let's say, medicine, where they are required to practice in the hospitals, all of which have been difficult for international students who are stuck in their home countries, including that in India. So those programs have been put on hold. We are going to relaunch them in 2022. But majority of our programs have successfully been trans you know, uh, kind of moved into the online space. Uh, and uh, over the last uh, few months, I would say six, seven months, we have come to a position where students have, you know, really started liking the way uh, education is happening. It isn't as though we got it right in the first day. Uh, we have also learned uh, our lessons. Uh, for instance, uh, our semesters run for 13 weeks. We realized that if we go on the same way with the online education front, it's not going to work. So we have to modify that a bit. Uh, but the two semesters that we conducted online actually have uh, given us uh, enough insight. And we have now become bold to launch a lot of online courses. Kidney has always been um, a bit, uh, you know, uh, we are brick and mortar at the end of the day. We do have online programs, right. but not primarily. Right. Now we are doing it. So all positive. Uh, it's just that the students right, right. any any day would like to go to those campus and study. Nobody wants to sit in India because international education sure, is not absolutely. about education, not all, isn't it? It's the entire Absolutely, city. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so. so so we're running out of time and I want quickly for Doris to put her take. Okay. Uh, whoops. Uh, I don't know whether the connection is still working. Um, very much like uh, my colleagues here, the university was straight on it. We're very lucky. We, we, we do a lot of research in immunology and, uh, you know, we are involved, our academics are involved in, in, in rolling out the vaccines. We have medical students uh, who graduated saying, let me, you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to wait this out. I'm going to want to be part of the vaccination drive. Now, as a country, for, for, for you who don't know, as a country, we're doing extremely well at the moment. So, Fingers uh, crossed firmly. Um, we have vaccinated a large number of the population and our rate is down. And here in the southwest of England, where we are, it's always been really, really low. So all that's good. I personally was super impressed with the fact that most of our Indian students came. We had very few deferrals and we still raised the number of uh, students from India joining us compared to last year. Um, because I I thought, well, I might as well go there. Um, you know, we, we offered uh, blended learning, um, and sometimes we had to do it all online, but you're still living in the UK. You still can use the NHS for your health needs, should something go wrong. So we have been, I think, really lucky, but also um, I was impressed with our senior management, how they have dealt with it. So we are expecting, well, as we are here, a normal uh, intake in September with as much face-to-face -face, uh, as people will need. Of course, we are very practical. You know, we, have, we will look at the uh, government guidance of the time. Um, but also, we have learned that some of the online stuff is really good. And I think our academics have, have done a great job rising to that challenge. And I'm hoping we will retain some kind of online engagement even when we're back to normal. Fantastic. Thank you so much for the three of you.
Parneet for taking time, Kajri for taking time, and Doris for taking the time to be here. Thank you, everyone, for your time, and thank you for uh, answering uh, the queries what students had. It really helped them. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for. Thank you. Yes. Thanks very much. Bye bye.